How do you know Hal Lifson? Uh, he's a customer. He's a very devoted Gelson's customer. And so um, I'm, I'm a resource for customers. Customers can call me and come see me here in Century City. And uh, I'm, I'm here to help everybody be healthier. Wow. And so he came to me, and he also thought that you and I would uh, really be a, a good match. And uh, it's amazing. Them, yeah. All right. So, so I want to know, I want to go a little yeah. bit back to your Cal roots and yeah. want to know if you ever heard this classic speech before on the steps of Sproul Hall, 1962, I think. Well, I ask you to consider if this is affirmed and if the Board of Regents are the Board of Directors and if President Kerr, in fact, is the manager. And I tell you something, the faculty are a bunch of employees and we're the raw materials. But we're a bunch of raw materials that don't mean to be have any process upon us, don't mean to be made into any product, don't mean don't mean to end up being bought by some clients of the university, be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone, or human beings. One of the greatest speeches of all time. Here he finishes it up. Mario Savio on the steps of Sproul Hall at Berkeley. There's a time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to indicate to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Oh, passion. <laughs> this is, do you, do you know from Mario Savio on the steps of Sproul Hall? Well, he was a little bit before my time, but yes, I, I definitely, <laughs> I do know. So was there a moment in your life where it all started, where you said, I can be an accountant, I can be a lawyer, I can do, nope, this is what I want to do with my life. Was there an aha moment? I think it was much more of a slow evolution where just things just started to really come together because, you know, frankly, I was a very picky eater growing up. I, I did not eat lettuce until I was 20 years old, and that was all about and that was in Berkeley. I was influenced, mm -hmm. you know, my eating was influenced in Berkeley. My passion for food and uh, really uh, came to me then. It took 20 years, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, everything I did, all of the jobs that I had when I was in school, everything came together. I mean, one of my first jobs was as a baker at Ben and Jerry's, you know, and, but even that plays into my experience and it helped me become the dietitian that I am. Hmm. So it, I don't think I had an aha moment. Looking back, it's just very easy to, to see how all the little things that I've done and the experiences that I've had and all the travels that I've done. I've been to Spain 13 times. And so wow. the food there very much influences, you know, my cooking and the, the flavors that I like. And, you know, the Mediterranean diet really um, uses a lot of those ingredients and flavors. But I do want to tell you about the beauty of the Mediterranean diet, because okay. a lot of people say to me, like, what if I don't like hummus? I can't, can I still follow the Mediterranean diet? Mm -hmm. But I always say yes, because it's not uh, one of those strict you know, tuna on Tuesday, turkey on Thursday kind of plans. It's it's a framework for healthy eating. So one of the main beauties of it is that it's flexible and it's varied. So you can eat, you know, Mexican food, Chinese food, American food, as long as you're following some of the important principles of the diet's framework. Jared Abrams, so, 
who uh, produces the show, wants to know if he eats the chicken tenders. Is that part of the Mediterranean diet? <laughs> well, well, what I will say is that actually no foods are restricted on the Mediterranean okay. diet. Okay. So it's not like an everyday food. So the Mediterranean diet is kind of structured by foods that you eat daily, weekly, and monthly. Mm. So um, an example of weekly foods is dessert. Two to three times a week, you can actually have dessert. Mm. And so, yeah, so it's not a restrictive plan. It's, it's, it's kind of a thing, the more you think of it more as like you emphasize certain foods regularly and then you can include everything. So, yes, chicken tenders from Gelson's can be part of it, but it shouldn't be a regular part. <laughs> I want to ask you about pairing. So in medical school, I took nutrition at Columbia. And one mm -hmm. of the coolest things I learned was that in an egg, the iron in the yolk is ferrous sulfate and you can't absorb it in your gut as ferrous sulfate, the iron. But if you have your egg with ascorbic acid, which is grapefruit juice or orange juice, the acid turns the ferrous into ferric sulfate, and you absorb all the iron in the egg because you had it with orange juice or grapefruit juice. That would like lit me up in terms of the, the pairings of food and the benefits. And then I sculpt in marble, so I go to Italy, and in Italy I learned because I'm in a studio in the backwoods of Carrara in the hills there, I learned all about this is the sauce with linguine, this is the pesto that you have with a different shaped macaroni, that you pair the sauce with a different type of pasta for all kinds of reasons. And then in France, they pair different rustic breads with the different cheese, it's different wine with fish, white wine with fish, red wine with meat. There's pairings in food. It's like a giant chemistry experiment. Do you have a favorite pairing when you put together any of the foods, the salads that you put together? Do you love two things or three things that go together? 